Hi, and welcome to Daily Dose Dunny. Are you interested in hearing more about a startup guide? Today, I'll be talking to Forbes and Owl Magazine and TED Talk speaker, Sophia Sunwoo. She has started her company, Ascent with Sophia, who you can find on Instagram or check out her website, where she offers female-owned startups with all the information they need to drive sales, better budget, figure out how to raise funds, and all the other details. So listen up if you want to hear about her journey, what she recommends you don't do and avoid doing, how to save yourself some time and money. So hi, Sophia, and thanks so much for joining me on the show. Can you tell us more about yourself and what you do? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, So yeah, my name is Sophia Sunwoo. I have a business called Ascent Strategy. I am a third-time entrepreneur, so this is my third business. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur for almost 15 years now. Uh, I started my first business when I was 19. It was a clothing business that my college roommate and I started out of our dorm room. Uh, We wanted, we both loved going to punk rock concerts, and we basically wanted to create a clothing line that... uh, made like those ugly baggy band t-shirts look good on women so we wanted to basically create a clothing line that allowed women to look good at their favorite uh rock concerts so we did that and i guess we just really hit a pain point for a lot of people uh the company ended up in 250 retailers worldwide we had a bunch of celebrities uh wear our product we had miley cyrus wearing our one of our hoodies in people magazine so even though we had no idea what we were doing uh it kind of blew up because we were just right place right time and uh we ended up selling that company and i eventually moved on to co-found a uh, clean water nonprofit out of west africa and india and uh with that organization we what we did was we partnered with rural communities and either fixed their broken water projects or uh, made sure that the water systems they were installing in their community wouldn't break down. Um, about 30 to 40 percent of water systems in the developing world actually break after two to five years. So we were focused on correcting that problem. So. Yeah, so those were my first two businesses. And, you know, as you can tell, they were kind of in completely different arenas and industries. And, uh, you know, with startups, it's always been a playground for me to explore my curiosity as far as how I want to make an impact in the world and what I was feeling was passionate for me at the time. And yeah, with my current business, uh, it's honestly a culmination of my, those first two experiences of building those businesses and learning so much, but at the same time, also coming across so many different obstacles, especially as a woman and as an entrepreneur, uh, and also as like an Asian American entrepreneur, you know, that block as well. So yeah, like this, my current business, I work with women entrepreneurs to help build their businesses in the hopes that I can help them avoid some of these huge obstacles that I faced building my businesses and hopefully accelerate their success timeline. So yeah, that's kind of a little bit about me and how I got started and where I'm at now.
That's so awesome. So you mentioned that your first business was in university and you guys decided to to launch a clothing brand. So quick question. What do you think contributed to the success of your first business? And and what are some of the tips that you could give that you learned as well with the very first business you started? Yeah, absolutely. So I think with the first business, uh, the reason why that became successful was because we were so obsessed with marketing and we really, really focused on how can we build a brand by first creating a brand ethos that really resonated and spoke specifically to women. So I think that hyper focus really helped us create emotional sales language that really resonated with a lot of people close to their heart. And um, with that direction and North Star, we were able to create marketing that was really personal for a lot of people. And, you know, they felt super connected to the brand and therefore they were willing to support us in any and all capacity when we were selling our clothing. So yeah, I think that, you know, that's even though that organization, that company, we built that in, you know, the 2000s sometime, uh, early 2000s. Um, it's, it's marketing, marketing, that focus is something that still resonates and is important to any business today. The more specific and niche you can get so that your emotional sales language is super personal and your customer feels like you're speaking directly to them, like that definitely still works today. Oh yeah, 100% agree. I feel like a lot of people are scared to niche down, but niching down is probably the best thing you could do a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that especially in today where there's just so many competitors and so many businesses now, you're really not going to stand out if you just, you choose to be broad. Um, no one, when there's this many competitors if you kind of think of like a flea market uh, or any kind of big marketplace where you walk in and you see multiple businesses at once, uh, the business that doesn't specialize in anything and is kind of a generalist, they don't stand out. They don't stand out in people's minds, but that weird vendor in the corner that's selling, you know, mice clothing or something weird, like the weirder and niche that you can get, that's what people remember and talk about. So Uh, Yeah, especially in today's global marketplace where people now have access to pretty much anyone around the world as far as sellers and vendors, you really have to carve out your unique space today. 100% agree, totally. Um, Yeah, and it's it's hard not to be authentic if you're selling mice clothing or something random. So yeah, (laughs) it'd be very easy to come up with topics and captions for that. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Awesome. So along with obviously all the success you've had, there's so much struggles that one faces when starting up your own biz. I've I've spoken to a lot of girls that are starting their own biz and it's tough to always be motivated and you're always second guessing yourself and, and all these struggles we go through. What are some of your personal struggles that you went through? Yeah, I think my struggle for all of my businesses has been just understanding when am I going to get there? Like, when am I going to hit that ideal state I want to be as far as, oh, I want my business to finally be doing well enough that I can work on it full time. I want my business to be big enough that, you know, we get mentioned in this magazine. So kind of like this chasing accomplishments and goals and milestones and 
that has always been a struggle for me where that distracts me a lot from the true purpose and core of why I started a business in the first place. Uh, that obsession with when am I going to be official? When am I going to take this business to the point that it needs to be in order for me to feel comfortable and relaxed and at ease with um, what, how well it's doing and you know a sense of being able to prove to yourself that you did it. So I think that has always been a personal struggle for me and uh, learning how to manage that, learning how to be patient and to respect the uh, slowness and understand that even though on a daily basis, it may not feel like I'm making any progress, I am doing the work to um, grow the startup that I'm growing at the time. So I think for me, that has always been a huge struggle. Oh, yeah, I think for a lot of us, I read a quote the other day that said, remember, all those influences out there started at zero, and they might be in a million now, but it, it's a process and you have to be patient with yourself. Yeah, and I think that you have to realize that everyone's, uh, everyone's battle is different. And the agenda that you have, as far as like the things you need to learn as a business owner, it's going to be different from someone that you're seeing on Instagram that you want to be like, and just really honoring that your journey is your journey. And even if it takes you five years longer than this person you see on Instagram, like that's your journey and you have to honor that. And you have to love what you're doing so much that you are willing to go on that ride no matter how long it takes. Yeah, exactly. I, I definitely think all the girls that I speak to, all the entrepreneurs, um, women, sorry, I keep calling them girls. <laughs> they're, they're all on this struggle of like being patient and wanting to get somewhere. And, and I think it's great that through this podcast, we're encouraging each other and showing that we all go through similar struggles. And, and it's nice to hear that other people have gone through it as well. Mm-hmm. definitely definitely cool so i love your website i've been on it and i see you offer great services for for female startup uh, businesses and stuff like that but you also obviously learned a lot through your own personal experience so what advice could you give to any of the listeners that are either looking to do a start their own business or currently in the process of it what are the main tips you could give them yeah i mean i think that uh, one piece of advice that I feel like resonates with a lot of people is in the beginning, don't, don't be in a state of what are all the things I have to do and just overwhelm yourself with a gigantic to-do to list. What I would encourage is uh, to actually take a step back and look at what are the steps that I can skip. You know, how can I be super efficient and refined in how uh, I am approaching my to-do list for my business? So I actually have a blog post on my website called All the Steps Your Startup Can Skip. And it's one of my most popular ones because I think not enough people talk about this is like, what are the things that um, all the business gurus on all these different fancy business uh, startup websites say that you should do, but... In actuality, for the majority of us who have been in the thick of it and have had to do every single step when it comes to building out their business, what do we say that you can actually skip because it's not worth it at the end of the day? Um, so yeah, I mean, one of, some of the things I say in that blog post is um, 
skip opening a social media account on every platform. That to me is the biggest waste of time when you're first starting out. Um, you know, my recommendation, especially when you look at platforms like Instagram, where Instagram is really aggressive about not allowing people to have disingenuous and um, inauthentic relationships on that platform. You know, they really hammer in on bots. And if you are repetitively like commenting and following people with the same comment, like they're really good about filtering that stuff out. So these kind of platforms where you can audience build, they're really encouraging people to dive deep into engagement. So if you are scattered amongst like four to five different social platforms, you are going to be wasting a lot of time. Um, and when the, the correct and most effective strategy is to just go deep on only one or two platforms in the beginning. So, you know, that's, that's a piece of advice I have for um, new startups. I also uh, don't recommend that. I know that when new businesses are starting out, they're obsessed with looking official. They're obsessed with proving themselves that, hey, this is a real thing, but not enough people respect the soft launch of, hey, I'm actually still in the figuring out phase and testing if this is real. I don't have to invest in a website right now. I don't need to invest in all like the, I don't need to create a business plan. I don't need to do all the fancy schmancy stuff in the beginning if I haven't proved to myself that I can sell the product or service I want to sell. So I really encourage people to um, be aggressive in the beginning about being in like a beta phase and making sure that they can sell at least like 10 to 20K of uh, their product or service so that they can prove to themselves, hey, this is something that can generate revenue. I brought in 20,000 in sales. And then once you've proven the sales model, then you can move on to, okay, what does the website look like? What is audience building on, you know, building a brand presence look like on these platforms? What does my logo look like? And then doing all of those more official steps after that. So yeah, some of those are some of the recommendations I have for new businesses that are starting out. Yeah, that's very good advice. Cause I feel like a lot of people feel like they need to spread themselves thin and be everywhere. And it's like, that makes so much sense is rather focus on, on the conversations and the channels where your audience is prevalent. Don't spread yourself thin, consider the resources you have and you don't need to go launch everywhere immediately. Like I feel like we all put ourselves under so much pressure. Um, mm -hmm. So definitely that slow pace also just helps you really just talk to your niche um, by taking yeah. it so slow. Definitely. Yeah, for absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but I'll definitely check out your website after this because I know you have some great resources on there that I will need to deep dive into. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Awesome. Cool. So what are some of your highlights that you feel great after completing any of your projects or collaborations that you've done in the past? Yeah, I mean, so for me, I got into this work in the first place because I really wanted to help women accelerate their success timelines. And, you know, I attack that from like the marketing and sales perspective, because I think that especially for startups that are in the like smaller side, uh, that is kind of the big gem that you want to go after in order to scale up and in order to prove uh, proof of concept. 
So for me, it's really meaningful for me when I am able to uh, basically spend either two months or three months with a client and we are able to see them go from zero to a hundred as far as the potential that they wanted to step into as an entrepreneur and being able to sell their vision, whether that's a product or service. Um, so for me, that has always been so meaningful to just witness someone go through that transformation and to, uh, you know, take a small part in that transformation that they step into and make for themselves. Because, you know, I see myself more as like, just like a conduit rather than like, at the end of the day, people have the capacity within themselves to realize their potential and to, you know, bring their business ideas to life. A lot of them just need someone like me to just push them in the right direction. So, um, yeah, it's definitely so meaningful for me to see women experience that transformation and to really step into their power because we need more of that. It's a really male dominated scene right now as far as uh, startups and new businesses go. So I would love to see uh, more new businesses be populated with women teams. Yeah, 100%. I think I've seen a lot more female support groups popping up on Instagram and all the channels because I think there's definitely a movement where a lot of women are in, in different phases now, especially with COVID, where they're looking mm -hmm. to drive their passions and their dreams and they're looking for other outlets because we're all stuck and we have the time to do so. So I've, mm -hmm. I've been able to talk to some amazing women um, around the globe. Um, and I just think it's so great that everyone's so open to supporting each other and providing advice and guidance. Like we, cause we all really need that sense of community right now as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In the U S like I just read something that pretty much the, like the mass majority of the people that lost their jobs in the U S because of COVID were all women. Mm -hmm. So I have a guess that I have a hunch that all like we're gonna see a lot of new startups that are run by women as a result of that of them being um, pushed out of the job market so yeah it'll be interesting to see how that manifests in like a year or two yeah I definitely think it things will change quite drastically over the next year or so um, I'm hoping that uh, things will get better have you guys been distributing the vaccines already in the U.S. where you are yeah, um, yeah, they're starting to do that with, I believe, people above 65 or something like that. So yeah, I, I think right now, like the um, older people, people who have pre existing conditions are being treated right now with the vaccine. So it's happening slowly, but surely. Yeah, it will definitely take time to get back to a normal, a type of normal again. <laughs> Mm -hmm, absolutely yeah um great so okay can you tell us a bit more about how you went about raising funds for your business and how you best advise others to get going with funding and financing their business ideas yeah uh so all of my businesses have been funded through friends and family networks um my first business was mostly family funding between my co-founder and i and then uh for my second business, we because we were a nonprofit, we had um, organized a board of directors, and that board of directors helped fund the organization um, initially when we started out. So it's always been friends and family, and uh, that has always been my approach. But that's also because my the types of businesses I started up was through. Um, 
they were businesses that didn't require massive funding. It weren't, they weren't capital intensive businesses that required like a ton of upfront investment or anything like that. So I do want to caveat that is that we were able to do friends and family fundraising investing because our, our startups didn't require that much uh, capital. Uh, I think that obviously with a lot of other businesses that are looking to start up, they don't have the luxury of that, or they might have, you know, friends and family people in their network that can pony up a ton of cash. So that might be still an option for a lot of people. Uh, my recommendation always is if you can do friends and family, please do it. Um, as far as investment goes, like I don't recommend going the route of giving away equity. Uh, I think that when you introduce uh, when you introduce the cap capacity and capability for someone to have a say in your business, you basically introduce the opportunity to water down your vision in order to cater to the people's wishes that invested in your business. So. I'm not a huge fan of giving away equity, especially if you have a strong vision of what you want your business to look like. And honestly, when you introduce that type of relationship to your business, you introduce more emotional relationships where people get emotional about money. Like people get emotional about how you use their money and um, how you spend their money. And in addition to all the stuff you need to do for your business, you also have to, in that type of scenario, have to weigh all these like emotional relationships it leads to a lot of dramatic uh scenarios um i've had i've had colleagues for example get sued by people that invest in their business get sued by co-founders over money so money especially in that equity perspective can get really tricky so and you already have so much on your plate why would you introduce more stress is my perspective uh and you know, beyond all of like receiving investment for your business, if it's possible, uh, if let's say friends and family money isn't an option for you, or you don't want to take that route, I always recommend to businesses like, look, if there is a baby 1.0 version of your business where you can sell a smaller version of that product or service you are looking to put out onto the world and just like create some cash flow and save that money and put it towards the ultimate 2.0 version that you want your business to look like. Like, please do that. Like being in a position where you're capable, your business is capable of funding its own uh, growth plans and up levels. Like that's really the ideal situation in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, those, that's kind of how I've gone about fundraising and what I usually recommend to people. Yeah, that's such good advice. I know my mother many years ago or 10 years ago started her own company with two partners. Um, and it, it was a bit of a mess and she eventually ended up buying out her partners just so that she could really carry through her vision for the company. And um, she kept her, her expenses very low for a long time, just so most of the, the cash flow could be pumped back into the business. So I 100% know what you mean and, and think that's the best option to go is, uh, you know, keep it on your own and um, drive it as hard as you can and then see where it goes. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I think that's hard for a lot of people to swallow. It's a hard, it's a hard pill to swallow because that means that your timeline is going to be longer. So if you're at a, you know, if you're at a full-time job that you hate and you're side hustling to get your startup off the ground, it's definitely like a hard thing for a lot of people to consider, but you know, it's one of those things where if you do it, you're going to be so much happier later on. Absolutely. hundred percent. I think a lot of the, the entrepreneurs that I speak with here in Hong Kong, most of them still have their day jobs as lawyers um, or, or in the finance industry. And, and they're using their startups to sort of drive their more passionate, creative side. Um, so it's been interesting mm-hmm. to see because they have very intensive day jobs and then in the evenings they're sort of using that as a creative outlet to start fashion brands or um, workout programs. So, yeah, so I think it's an interesting mix um, mm-hmm. for sure. That's definitely easier, but I know a lot of women have lost their jobs this year and, and for them funding and figuring out how to plan financially is quite important as well. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So I saw you offer a fabulous six-week course for sales mastery on your website. Um, could you give us the top highlights that people can take away from this course? Yeah. So I started this course because I think that there's a huge misconception that marketing and sales are the same thing when in actuality sales is its own monster and its own uh knowledge base that people need to learn. Uh, It's really something that's difficult for you to just figure out by observing. It's something that you really need to understand the behind the scenes psychology behind why people buy and understanding how that fits for you and your business and what that plan, that sales plan looks for you and your business. So I started this course to just really help more women become aware of, hey, sales is its own thing and you need to take the time to learn it because what I end up seeing is if people don't learn sales early on they basically spread out their learning uh, of sales over like five years and they delay their ability to bring in more money by several years when they could have learned that sales knowledge in year one and just made a ton of money right away quickly in the first five years. So you kind of delay your progress and your ability to step into your potential from a sales perspective. And yeah, um, as far as like top, like highlights and um, takeaways go from sales mastery, uh, it's teaching you to think through, especially because a lot of businesses now are online. It's really helping you think through what is my online sales Uh, plan look like? Um, How do I sell better online? Because uh, a common complaint I get from people is I can sell so well if the person is face to face in front of me, I can sell them anything. But when I try to sell the same thing online, it doesn't work. I don't know how to sell to people online. So it's really helping uh, women understand the difference between selling online and selling in person and giving them the tools to sell online so that they get the same results as selling in person. So I have a ton of clients that, you know, were selling their jewelry at weekend markets and COVID happened and now they can only sell online. So I've had clients where we were able to replicate the amount of sales they make in person at those markets, but replicate it by selling online now. So it just gives people the tools to, uh, 
have options when something crazy like COVID happens, but also, you know, standing on your feet all day to sell something every single weekend when you also have a full-time job is not desirable. It's shifting your business so that you can sell more online gives you freedom and more ease and it makes your business way more fun to run. So um, yeah, those are kind of, that's like a huge transformation my clients see and, you know, we go through everything from making sure that the customers that you're targeting are the right customers for your business. We go through brand positioning and making sure that that's super potent to attract customers to your door. We go through uh, a very aggressive like marketing and sales portion of the course where uh, we make sure that you're up to speed on what do you need to know about marketing today and how it applies to your business and how can you leverage the right platform so that you optimize every single piece of time and effort you're putting into this business. Um, and the last part of the course, we actually do like a full five-year financial projections because my belief is that your pricing is not going to be correct if you're not looking at your business from the five-year perspective. So we also do some numbers crunching, which, you know, numbers isn't everyone's forte, but it's really interesting and fun in this context to look at your numbers and be like, whoa, I really, I really didn't think about X, Y, and Z thing. Now I know. And I, because I have stronger knowledge and better knowledge of what my numbers looks like for my business, I can make more informed, thoughtful decisions for my business moving forward. So yeah, that's a little bit about sales mastery. That sounds awesome. Very good for people that are starting up or, or looking to streamline their online sales. So is, is the course um, currently active? Is there a deadline for signing up? What is the timeline for the course? Yeah, so I actually introduced um, like a month or two a self-study version of the course so you know anyone who wants to join can do it right away so i have like a self-study version of the course where you could just enroll and take the course at your own time then i also have like a vip option where i would work with you um and coach you through the process so that we can kind of customize uh the sales plan more specifically to your business with my knowledge but yeah it's pretty much rolling um and on demand if you do the self-study Version. Awesome. Well, I'll be sure to link all your information in the podcast podcast description. So amazing. <laughs> everyone can link up and check it out. So um, what aspects of helping startups or female businesses grow gets you most excited? Yeah, I mean, I think my mission, even from my first business, um, my whole life, it's always been to help people realize their potential and to step into their power. So for me, helping women create uh, businesses that they've envisioned for a really long time and just really help them make money off of that, I think for me is super powerful and exciting. And I just love being able to witness women step into their sovereignty and just take their power as far as like, hey, like if I wanted to build a business where I fully support myself, I can totally do that. I think there's nothing more powerful than saying, I don't need to depend on anyone else but myself. I don't need to work at a job I hate if I don't want to. And um, for me, that's super exciting to just help women realize that power that they have within them and giving them the tools to accomplish that. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's the reason why I wanted to start this podcast is just to connect and inspire and help everyone realize that we are all going through similar things. And, and it's just great to have a community and connect to pe- with people across the world, um, sharing stories and, and sort of key learnings. Because I think a lot of people yeah. are going through the same things now. Oh my gosh, yeah. What a year. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, well, luckily it's 2021 now. So, um, yeah. how have you adapted your ideas and biz advice? And what are your plans for 2021? Yeah, um, I think 2020 was such a hard year for everyone, including myself. Like, there was just so many shifting environments and with shifting environments comes changes in consumer behavior. So I think for me, I, I have gone through a lot in my first two businesses, but I have never gone through something like this in within a span of a year. There are just so many different changes and pivots that have to happen. And for me, you know, 2020 definitely made me a bit more resilient on that front but I'm also like so exhausted from doing it. <laughs> so, you know, for me, I think with this new year, I um, I am going to focus more on, uh, you know, the question for me has always been like, how can I make more of an impact? How can I help more women step into uh, their strength? And I think for me, one big struggle I had, I've been seeing is, uh, People have a lot of struggle uh, figuring out their brand positioning and figuring out how this translates into a website as far as like, what does the homepage look like? What does the copy look like? You know, that digital home is really important as far as like a first impression tool for new customers. So um, one thing I'm planning for 2021 is offering um, something called a website cure where I help women exact with exactly that, you know, helping them with their website copy and their brand positioning so that their digital home is really representative of who they want to uh, be as a brand. Um, and so that's one thing, you know, another thing is in the U S like the black lives matter movement um, has been really big here and it's definitely made a big impact on me and, reflecting on how as a business owner I can be more helpful um, to empowering women that come from many diverse backgrounds so you know I've definitely been thinking about creating a scholarship fund of sorts to you know give away my sales mastery program for free to um, individuals that come from a background where they wouldn't usually be able to either financially afford the program or maybe typically wouldn't have known that they need to learn things like sales. So, you know, I've I've definitely been thinking about how, what that looks like for me as far as like structuring a scholarship program to help more women. So I think for me, impact has kind of been like the thematic um, word for me for 2021. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I feel like I was speaking with one of my friends who is um, working in CSR and how important that will be going forward and how you, how companies need to show more about giving back and what you're contributing and how you're supporting. Um, Cause it's not just about sales. It's about building that community as well. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Do you know what your plans are for 2021? So um, I think for 2021, 
I really do want to focus more on giving useful tips and advice and guidance for startups in the digital marketing realm. But I guess it would focus more on content and influence marketing and website optimization because similar to you, when I do talk to some of my clients, they have these amazing ideas and their, their eyes light up when they talk about it. And then I look at their website. I was like, everything you just told me, I do not see anywhere on digital. Like, so it's like that disconnect uh-huh. of a great idea, an enthusiastic person. And then you look at their website and it was like, I see nothing of that excitement online. Um, so, so same as you just trying to sort of help them, you know, with uh, whether it is influencer programs or things like that. So definitely, I think, because I'm in the process of still niching down, as you mentioned before. So I'm still niching down, finding sort of the, the, the clear direction I want to take everything. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think 2021 is just part of that journey still. And, and for me, it's just been so motivating and inspiring talking to, to other women. Um, because as you, I've also had a tough year and I've gone through ups and downs. And I feel like every time I connect with someone new, I just feel re-inspired again and re-motivated. And it's just great to hear um, other people's key learnings Um you know, and I just hope that helps everyone else out there as well. Yeah, I mean, it feels nice to like know that you're not alone when through the suffering (laughs) of this past year. So there's definitely a lot of comfort in that too. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, So yeah, so any advice to listeners to wrap up this episode or anything else you want to mention before we, we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, like, I think that, uh, I don't know about you, but in the U.S., like we've already been having like a difficult start of the year. There's just a lot going on in our country. And, you know, I'm already feeling so exhausted. And, you know, I guess my advice for everyone out there is, you know, just keep keep going as far as like from the resilience side of things. We are all feeling it as far as how difficult 2020 has been we're coming it feels like we're coming out of battle as we enter into 2021 and in the U.S. we're already getting hit hard again with just crazy things that are happening in our country and um, be kind to yourself you know take the time to take a break from your work. I had to do this yesterday. Actually, I was having a really hard day, like with things that were going on in my personal life. And I had to just shut down my computer and close out early and just be kind to myself and be like, I'm not going to do my best work while I am emotionally and mentally not in my best state. And you know, I think that if this wasn't top of mind for you before in your life, I feel like this year, everyone became so aware of how your emotional and mental state can really, really affect how you do in your business and how well you're able to deliver in your business. So really um, taking the time and kindness to structure in, if I need to take emotional and mental break, do it because if anything that, if there's anything that 2020 taught us, it was that we need to make more time for that. We need to stop ignoring that to be, a thing that happens maybe now and then, like we need to really respect and honor the need for emotional and mental space and taking that time when we need it. And I think especially as entrepreneurs, like you don't have a boss telling you what to do and what not to do. You have to step in as your own boss and say, hey, you need an you need an emotional and mental health day 
go take it. Oh, 100%. I feel like I've taken much more bubble baths and read more books and more podcasts in 2020 than any other year before. So hundred <laughs> mm-hmm. percent. Definitely yeah. needed. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show. And we appreciate all the great advice you shared today. Thanks so much, Sophia, for all that useful advice that you provided. Please go check out her website where she offers a lot of great free resources to help you better plan and manage your startup. I'll link all her information in the podcast details. So please check her out. And remember, we're here to support each other. Stay motivated. Stay focused.